it's fun with us, isn't it, Rodney? It is fun, it is fun. Right, guys, we're back. We're live one more time. It's an on and off the pitch sporting podcast. It's a match chat review. I'm joined by Mad Marcus and the man due to entertain himself, also known as John and Marcus. How are you, John? I am well, thank you very much. Excellent, you gaming freaks. And Marcus, how are you? <laughs> how comes I'm the one that gets called Sir and he gets the one to introduce first? Well, it's been a while since he's been on, you know. Let's let's yeah, let's be right. honest. How are you, Marcus? Yeah, mate, I'm I'm yeah, I'm very, I'm very well, mate. It's That's good. We're well. both we're all well. I'm suffering with um man flu, or also known as a cold, but we will we will struggle on. We will struggle on. Um Manchester United played Sheffield United today. We know what the score was, and if you don't know, the score was three three. A gripping game for the neutral, not necessarily the same for Manchester United fans who would have spent the first 70 minutes with their head in their hands. A dismal display. You could only put that down in in terms of if you were to classify it, you would say collective disappointment versus individual success. And the individual success would be for Brandon Williams getting his goal, for Greenwood getting his goal and for Marcus Rashford to continue his scoring rate in terms of Premier League goals. He's matching Sterling, he's matching Keynes. They have seven in the league, so that's good for them. But as a collective display, as a collective performance from a Manchester United team who are worth millions more than Sheffield United, it is not very good at all. So I've, I have no idea where we're going to start. There's so many things to talk about. Um, John... I haven't spoken to you for a while. What do you think about the result? What do you think about the game itself? Uh, Manchester United worth millions more than Sheffield United. I don't. I'm not too sure about that. You know, uh, with the uh, with the Glazers and the average net spend of players per coming in and coming out at, at nine point seven. No. Anyway, uh, the games of a whole. Um, it's about the youth that has played today, yeah. and. It's about the youth developing for a future at Manchester United. Yeah. We've had the here and now managers like Jose, bye for now and we'll win. And we didn't win with that sort of philosophy. Now we've got a philosophy about the future and it is the, it is the children, the kids, the, the talented uh, boys that have come from our academy that's done the business. And that's something that we have to look at as a positive within this sort of grey period that we're in. Do you know something? I, 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 pouncing on from what you said, I'm going to ask Marcus this. I get the future thing, but how many times can we keep talking about, as, as the James Bond film, Tomorrow Never Comes, the future? The result was 3-3 today. Not next week not next month, not next year. And I know that people are talking about Ole and he's saying that he's inept, he lacks experience. Some who said that he should be left in post until the summer are now calling for him to go right now. It's not just about Ole, he has a backroom staff. He has a backroom staff of four or five people. He has Mike Phelan who worked alongside Sir Alex Ferguson, a very successful Sir Alex Ferguson. It's right, it's Ferguson that everyone keeps referring to while Phelan was there. Surely he has an input in terms of what's going on on the pitch. It's not just about Oli. Everyone knows Oli doesn't have the necessary experience as a manager or head coach. So it can't just be him. 
Mm. But what would we class as experience, though? In the sense, like, he went, he went to his, his boyhood club of mould as a manager, who ne- which, at that point, never won anything in history. And he got him a back-to-back Norwegian first division titles. Yeah. That and to, as they used to call it a mini Manchester United because he had a philosophy that was very c- close to Sir Alex Ferguson. Now, we've seen this in the past with Cruyff and Pep Guardiola and at one point Pep Guardiola didn't just win everything. He had to Break himself in into you know Barcelona's you know A team before doing it in, uh, sorry B team before doing it in the A team you know so like we talk about the, the three three now well Chelsea are very famous for getting a manager to win them the title now and what happens they win a title and they fall off and they don't and they're nowhere for, for years on end where does that get you nowhere. I understand with the all the outs getting frustrated with the uh, lack of of um, forward motion as a team, but that means that you know it's because of the twenty eight transfer windows before Ollie's is the problem. I mean, you can put that down as as a marker in terms of where things have gone wrong previously, but when you you cross the line as a player, you are responsible. What I was surprised about in terms of of today's lineup was I was very surprised to see Phil Jones selected. I was very surprised to see Phil Jones selected in a back three to the left of Harry Maguire, who usually plays on the left. Um, and, and it was almost done in the sense that Ollie didn't trust Phil Jones in the centre, so he had to put him onto the left. Really strange considering Smansabi's on the bench. It would have, for me, made more sense to have placed Phil Jones uh, in midfield and had Swansebi in in uh, in the defence as a back three. There are certain things that you look at and you think, well, I kind of understand why he's doing it, but at the same time, it, it, it doesn't make sense. And it backfired with Phil Jones. It back it backfired in the sense that Sheffield United are a, a, a tough tackling, really smart and intuitive team who worked well. They have a manager who's drilled them. They have a manager who understands what he wants to do with the players that he has and, and with a limited budget, you know, and that's what I mean in terms of the valuation of the squad. And then at the same time, you have the, the understanding, which was clearly visible between the Sheffield United players and Manchester United. It was, I think it was in the, the 70, no, was it the 75th minute? Or some, there was a period where they were playing the ball around, um, maybe even before. And it looked like Manchester United didn't have an idea as to how to close them down. Sheffield United were very good. They denied space to James. They denied space to Martial. They denied space to Rashford. They were first to the ball where they needed to be and they were cute in midfield. And it looked like they played with one striker up front who ran his socks off until he actually received um, an injury. And then they sat back. And I think that was it. that was the point where Manchester United started to actually become more engaged with the game. The last 20 minutes. And for me, personally, I look at it and I think, you know, I'm not saying I, I want Ole to leave, but I think once you cross the line as a player, there needs to be a certain amount about the team, about the collective, to say, this isn't good enough from us. What are we going to do about it? And we have talked at length about there's a lack of leaders, there's a lack of experience in the middle of the park. 
but they can still speak to one another. They can still say, you need to drop in and do this. You need to drop in and do that. You need to cover this run. And it didn't look evident at all. And at no point did you see Ole, people say he didn't get off the bench. You didn't see Phelan get off the bench. You didn't see Carrick get off the bench. You didn't see McCann. There was no movement from... There was no movement from the bench and it mirrored the lack of movement from the front three in the first 70 minutes. So I, I, to be honest, I was I was quite shocked at that. I was really shocked. Uh, there was no movement at all from that front three, like you said there. Every time Fred or Pereira had the ball, they would lose it. And I, I think that's because there is no forward pass on. You know, they're, they're always having to play a risky pass or having to play it safe and go back because of the front three not... The manoeuvrability between them just it was non-existent for that first half especially yeah it, it it was i mean you know it was amazing to see what was what was interesting in terms of the lateral running you would expect them to be running across the defender creating space I, this this was probably the first game i actually witnessed daniel Ga- daniel james look actually flummoxed as to what he needed to do because he needs space to run into. He needs space to run into and actually put the balls across. And there was a time he did it, you know, and he put a ball across and there was no one running in. But at the same time, I looked at it and I thought, you put a ball across, you could see no one was there, but you still didn't wait for support. Yeah. You, you just put it in, you know, and there's a thought process in that. So you can look at that in two ways. You could say, oh, there were no runners in the box. But at the same time, he looked up, he looked across. Before he crossed the ball, there was no one there. He still put the ball in. Any other team would probably wait. If that's a Man City, they look across and think no one's there, I'm going to wait. If it's Chelsea, they're going to wait. You know, there's, there is in-game management. And sometimes, as much as we say that, the, that Oli doesn't have a clue and there is, he's not getting support from the backroom staff, the players need to take responsibility in terms of what they do, the understanding between the movement, when to pass the ball and... And, it, and it, it comes down to the question that I've always had when the, when the signings were initially made. If Manchester United's policy or the process that we keep using in terms of how we, we're going is about speed alone, it's not going to work all the time. And today was a clear example of a team who have a, a, a clear basis as how to operate. And that's the same. They played the same way as they played against Liverpool. And any other team that has gone to Bramwell Lane, they haven't changed. That's how they play. And Manchester United didn't even consider we need to think of another way. They didn't. And it was and it was um, gung-ho. But at the same time, watching it as a neutral, you couldn't. You have to say, you have to be excited. But, yeah, I, I, I think going forward, you, yeah. you can be excited, yeah. Um, but... I think, as we said said on the last show, Rodney, a major player for me wasn't involved today, and that's McTominay. And that midfield today, without McTominay, showed um, how crap it really is. Yeah, well... (laughs) And, and, you know, people can say that midfield, even with McTominay in there, people can say there's no creativity because Pogba's not in there, right? But even that, you know, that to me is a myth because you look at the games that have been won and lost without Pogba... Mm. And, you know, you look at that today with your own eyes, that midfield two that we started off with, with Fred and Pereira just in there, it looked absolutely shambolic. Fred's passing was lazy. It was off, just running around. And, you know, Pereira, exactly the same. And 
the difference is night and day with Pereira when he plays at that 10 position. Yeah. And then you put him in the centre of midfield there next yeah. to Fred. Yeah. It don't work whatsoever. Yeah, it's, it's totally wrong position. Um, Chris yeah. Chris is in the chat. I'm going to ask this question. He says, Chris says, um, he says, I have to question Oli's ability to tactically open up a team that doesn't allow space in behind. I mean, John, what do you do? You question Oli's tactics? In a, in a sense, I'm not going to say that he's um, he's without blame. Obviously, he's with the blame. But what plays has he got to tactically break down a, a squad like Sheffield United? You know, I, I drone on about it constantly about how much the Glaciers have invested in the 9.7 million of the average player spent. That average player spent is worthy of bottom half of the, of the team uh, table, sorry, should I say. And when you do things like that, they're not going to be creative, creative enough. It's never going to happen. Like, the whole point of putting Phil Jones in, I was just looking over the squad. Bialy, injured. We just got Victor Lindelof back technically um, Transabi wasn't match fit ready because of his neck injury or whatever it was mm. and it's very difficult to patch a team together that as I said, I've said as well is pretty much 95% of the same team that Jose came second with two seasons ago it's calling oh. that one of the greatest achievements of his career which I can now understand why is a very great achievement taking this Manchester United squad anywhere near to the top of the table. In, in, got, indeed, we've got we have got a, we have got a, a squad that's been the worst squad in twenty five years, and we expect them to be challenging for top four if they're the worst squad. I, don't, I really got, I can't really fathom it where Man United fans will. Parade on the manager. I don't know. I actually know why. Because it's easier to parade on the manager because he's an he's an easy easy thing to get rid of than our owners that caused this since the start of their tenure. Yeah. And then again, if we look about why the tenure started, it was because of Sir Alex Ferguson and the, the Rock of Gibraltar. So in, in the short and the long run of it, wherever we look, it's just going to take time, patience. And we did 25 years before Ferguson came in between Sir Matt. I think what the problem is, right, is if we give a CERN to any manager, anyone after that is doomed to fail. So we gave Sir Matt Busby a CERN and anyone failed to get hit. Get. <laughs> then Alex Ferguson came in, we gave him the CERN and now anyone else followed him. We just can't do it. We, shouldn't, we should just stop giving the CERN to any of our managers and we'll be all right, I think. You just blamed the Queen there, didn't you? <laughs> you, basically, you basically blamed her royal highness oh god <laughs> the demise sorry, of manchester <laughs> sorry man right um in terms of um and you mentioned jose's um name please if you haven't check out uh the, the podcast that i did with ty who uh, is a spurs fan about jose and the conversation that i had with the same mr sir should i say sir mac marcus um ole's <laughs> posh torment Please check it out on 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 the channel. Uh, good conversation, and you can see where we've edited things. I won't say anything more than that. Um, <laughs> Marcus knows. Marcus knows. Um, Chris, uh, his comment says, "I personally don't see the point of changing a manager. Not under this ownership, at least. They have zero football ambition." Um, 
really interesting point. Really, really interesting point, Chris. Thank you. Um, mm. I, to be honest, I have to just even saying that alone, you, should, you can understand why that's such a good point. And, and Marcus, you say you totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Because if you look at what they've done, what the owners have done to um, to the previous managers, yeah, it, it's a trend. It's not going to change. Yeah. You know, okay, Pochettino is available, but he's still going to be restricted because the same ownership. So it makes no odds. What is the point of sacking a guy who's a year into his tenure to bring another guy in halfway through a season that's can't do, yeah, that yeah, you can't do nothing really until the summer because who's available in January? Absolutely no one for a start. And the Glazers, you know, Manchester United really traditionally don't really like buying in January unless they have to. So you're going to get rid of a guy who's a year into his reign, bring in someone else and start from scratch again. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's not it, good. You're going back and forwards. No, it's not. It's not good at all. You know, it's, I mean, Pochettino might be the more attractive proposition in terms of the share prices, like I said to you the other day. Yeah. Um, and... You know, the players he might attract might be better. Yeah. But, you know, what, what do we want? Do, do we want that as a vision? Or do we want to stick with Ollie's vision and bring in the young quality players that are hungry? Or, you know, I think it's a catch-22. Right? Actually, I mean, sorry, go on, go ahead, go on. Could you imagine Brandon Williams, Mason Greenwood after this season? You know, it's a hard season for them, so they're going to understand grueling games. Like next season, when you know they're getting into a new, fresh season, they'll know how hard it can get. But they're going to be able to be more um, intelligent in the game. Don't get me wrong; there's times where people make mistakes. You know, as a player, you know, and. I think if you've got any manager, you could bring in an Allegri, you could bring in a Simeone, you could bring in, but well, I'm trying to think of any like attacking manager, Ten Hag from Ajax. Nagelsmann at Leipzig. Yeah, him. I like him. That's a good guy. A good shout. I like him actually as well. Um, I never remember his name though. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. That, that, that dude. Uh, but I was going to say, yeah, do you think, right, if Oliver Gunnar Solskjaer had uh, owners like Man City's owners who gave him whoever he needed, he would be in this situation. I, I really much doubt it. Also, I, I've already said this on a couple of like WhatsApp groups and stuff like that, but if. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had better players beside him, behind him as a, as, as a team, and he was still failing, then I can say to myself, right, yeah, he's a bad manager. But while he's got the same 90%, 95% of the same team that was 20 points behind two seasons ago, I'm not judging the man. Yeah. Like, we know rubbish we've already got inside of our club from top to bottom. Like, I, don't, I, I, really, I really loathe Pogba at this moment in time. You know, I see him playing... I mean basketball, but can't be on a pitch playing football. You know, it, it bewilders me. It shows you the attitude of certain players uh, that's in in certain teams. That if you don't put the effort in, you, you're not going to get the best out. And I don't understand. I don't really think that you look at playing near a Phil Jones is you know very you know stylish compared to being at, at Real Madrid. But you know, at what quality of player are you if you just don't want to play football at all? Yeah, well, do you know, you know something. I, I think in terms of when we look at um, Phil Jones, and it would have been really, it it, it would, probably would have added more 
at the best word to say, pressure on Ole if, if Phil Jones did play in midfield. And I'm glad that he did only play in defence. Because if he played in midfield, it only heightens the conversation about players that have been previously linked to Manchester United and Manchester United and the, and the endless and limited, unlimited scouting network that they have. When they talk about Madison, when we talk about Tillemans getting away, when we talk about um, uh, the, the, I can't remember his name, who's playing for um, Aston Villa, who McGinn, um, in, all yeah. of those 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 midfield players that are possibly ten times more talented and in, 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 in Manchester United are looking at, and we're still talking about the lack of um, midfield quality. Let's be clear: um, Juan Mata was on the bench today. You know, it's not as if he was injured; he was on the bench. So yeah. we we could have used him if we really needed to, but the substitutions that were made by Oli hi highlights the preference for pace because he put on Lingard. You know, and I, I, I believe what Sheffield United had in their midfield, apart from pace and apart from power, they had um, a midfield player who had an awareness of everything around him. All of the players around, he could see the big picture. And there were times in, in the game with Fred, with Pereira, where that just wasn't the case. And, and what made it more difficult for them as players was the limited movement of the front four. Um, I actually tweeted out, you know, in terms of the first half, I thought Rashford's movement was good. I thought that he was unlucky in some of the times he actually tried to retain the ball. There was a there was a um, statistic that flashed up saying that Marshall touched the ball more times than Rashford. But I was surprised because actually I thought Marshall had, you know, for me, had no impact on the game. And you no. could see why he was upset because he probably thought, I've been here before, I'm being substituted. But let's be honest. I don't think any Manchester United fan who was at the game would actually have a problem with him being substituted because he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything in terms of... Um, I mean, he had a couple of shots, but in terms of the, the, the goal threat that we're expecting from him playing in that number nine role and link-up play, it wasn't there. So for him to be substituted, totally understand why Ole did it and the rest of his backroom staff. I'm going to bring over the match stats really quickly while I go to... Rasmus has joined us. I like Rasmus. How are you, Rasmus? Is glad, glad you joined us. Um, Rasmus is saying Ole is out of his depth. He should be out. However, the root cause is the board. So sacking the manager after the manager is hardly going to make any big impact at all. Um, correct. Looking at the match stats, right, again... It kind of highlights for me how open this game was in a sense because you would never have thought that Sheffield United had less possession than Manchester United, but it it, it just highlights the importance of had, uh, using your possession well. They had forty percent, forty percent of possession huh? against Manchester United, sixty. They had less passes. They had three hundred seventy nine compared to Manchester United's five hundred eighty two. They had twelve shots to Manchester United's eleven shots. They had eight on target, Man United had five. You know, it's it's about what you do with the ball. So you can do lots of sideways passing, you can do lots of passing back to your your defenders. But the key passing, I think if you were to dissect that game and look at the key passing and key areas, the bulk of it probably would have been in midfield going backwards and across. There isn't enough, or there wouldn't be enough on display from a Manchester United point of view to say, they were robbed of three points. They deserved the win and Sheffield United were lucky. I would say that Sheffield United should have been 3 0 up by half time. Two great saves from David De Gea. Um, the, first, the, the second one, he, 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 he had immense to, to, to react to it. Um, 
I think in the first 20 minutes, James was the first time, I think around 18 or 20 minutes, James was actually fortunate to actually find some space, put the ball across. Sheffield United, and I've written this down, they had five attempts on target within the first 25 minutes. Five oh, attempts. Right. Yeah, you, 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 you have to ask yourself, five attempts on target? Mm. And I think by the time they'd had five, I think Marshall had had one shot and that was it. So for a team that has been billed as having a really lethal front three um, or four, depending on who's playing with Rashford, Marshall and James, it... That it isn't enough. It isn't enough just to rely on them. And there needs to be either a rethink in terms of the way the team is set up and you play not with a back three and you go with a back four. Or if you do a, if you go with a back three, then you have to make sure that your midfielder, your midfield, has midfielders. Because what you today it looked like, and it see if you looked at it in, in if that was a Jose lineup, and I like to use him as a reference point, you would have said that was a back six. Yeah. You know, we, we wouldn't have pulled any punches. We would have ripped into him and said that was a back six. You know, you've got three centre-backs, you've got wing-backs in midfield and you've got two midfield players holding it, playing in a holding role that they're not really familiar with because both Fred and Pereira want to go forward. That's a back seven, isn't it, really? Yeah, it is. You know, both <laughs> of them, yeah, both of them want to go forward. Yeah. So, in a roundabout way, um, this game... And, and for me, when I look at him, you t we take everything apart. A point isn't a bad thing. A point, really, considering... Because we talked about this and we said this game was going to be hard. Yeah. And I think we said it would be 2-2. Two, two. We thought it was definitely going to be a score draw. 3-3. Um, yeah. three, three, I have no idea how that happened. It was one of those games where you, know, you could have lost it, you could have won it, yeah. but you ultimately ended up drawing it. You yeah. Know, um, I've seen already on Twitter that people are saying that going back to a back three in the last five minutes is what cost us. I, I don't think so. I actually think the first goal um, should have been ruled out. I think that was a very all right shoulder to shoulder, but you can see when they VAR'd it, you mm. can see that it was an aggressive, you know, he's, he's, he's really took a lunge at him to knock him off with his shoulder. Yeah. You know, I I, um, I I can understand what you're saying, and I have to I have to agree. But also, if, if you were being devil's advocate, Phil Jones should have knocked that ball out. Oh, he should have done. Yeah, yeah. Knocked no it out for a corner. Out. Knocked it out for a throw. But he waited for contact. Yeah. And we've it's seen. Sweet to scare him with his face. Yeah, well. Yeah, he was going to give him this Phil Jones eyes. He was going to be there, with... and the guy was going to like fall over. It didn't happen. It didn't happen at all. Sorry. Um, I've, I've, welcome, <laughs> um, Je Jessica is in the chat. Welcome, Jessica. Uh, Jessica says the best comment which sums up everything was the commentator asking how a big guy like Jones uh, could be sent flying by a little guy. Well, I don't know if the guy was little. I'd say he was, you know, of of the same stature. But you know, Phil Jones is is no uh, spring chicken. He's been around the Premier League for a long time. He's played in defence for a long time. He's familiar with. Um, that he, I mean, if Phil Jones made that tackle to a striker, we'd be like saying, well done, shoulder to shoulder, mm -hmm. got the ball. But, you know, like I said, for me, he, he waited for contact and, you know, that was a shoulder to shoulder challenge. It was very aggressive. Like, I agree with you, Marcus, it was very aggressive, um, but it didn't go in his favour. And, and, and what Sheffield United did do well is that when they had players go wide, they flooded the box quickly. 
what you have there is a problem with who's tracking the runners. Yeah. That's that's the problem. And if you have, and, and this is the bit about having Pereira and Fred in holding midfield, if they're so offensively minded, they don't track the runner. You know, because the, the, mm. the, the De Gea makes a great save and it's the rebound that comes off, is it, is it, I can't remember his name now, it just escapes me, um, who scores, it comes off his knee and goes in. So... Fleck? Was, Fleck, 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 yeah, yeah, Fleck. Fleck is a really, really good... For, for me, you know, I, I, this is the kind of game that Manchester United, you, you would say that it, of old they would win with ease. In the current state of playing, in terms of the personnel and the way things are with the club, it's the kind of game that they needed not to lose. Mm. The, you yeah. know, the total opposite of the spectrum. So, 3-3, well, this is the first time not say the first time but they've scored more than one goal uh, unfortunately it's not the kind of scoreline that they will be happy with 3-3 three, three. It, it, it builds up nicely for the next few weeks in terms of who Manchester United have to play next week and they've got the big game with Tottenham Hotspurs coming up very very soon very oh, yeah, soon yeah. Very, I'll be there for that I'm, you know, I'll be honest with you John you know I've done something really foolish you know after the last time I saw you yeah. And um, my mate Matt said, are you coming up for the next game? And I said, no, I'm not coming up for that one. And he, he said to me, um, do you want me to sell your ticket for Spurs? I went, yeah, all right then. Uh, Excuse me. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what I'm going to do about that one. Foolish, right? Foolish. So I'm going yeah, to see if I can get another ticket. Otherwise, I'll be uh, housebound watching that um, live on TV. To be fair though, that it's not a, it's not a bad one to be at home and watching it on TV because you know if if it goes badly, then you're already at home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Warm, no traveling, no depression. Well, there is going to be depression, but no like traveling with depression. That that's probably the worst one. Like looking at the train tracks, going should I? I should, yeah, should I? Should I? <laughs> I have a I have a slightly longer journey than looking at the train tracks. I think Jessica has simply said no in a really long way and stop selling your ticket. I have listened to your wise words, Jessica. I'll make sure I check the fixtures from from now on. Shall we have a quick mention of the other the other results? Um, I don't know by any chance if you saw the Man City Chelsea game. Yes, I did. Yeah. What did you think? I thought Chelsea started very well. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think a lack of experience at the back cost them. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's what's that young lad's name? Tom Tamori. Tamori. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't like pinning things on youngsters because they they do have a lot to learn and stuff. But he was out of his depth, I think, positionally quite yeah. a few times. Yeah. Um, and even the mid. Yeah, the midfield is it Kovacic they got? Yeah, Kovacic. I, they, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's really one for the big games, to be honest. He's, I think he wants too much time on the ball. He's, and... I, you know, when he first went there, I wasn't sure that he would be um, a Chelsea player. To be honest, mm. I wasn't sure he would he would fit into there. Um, but he was there on loan, and uh, they squeezed him through the door um, with the with the transfer ban in place. So yeah. that was that was good for them. Um, yeah, it was a really good game. I thought it was a really entertaining game. Obviously, with Liverpool doing what they normally do, uh, getting a win when everyone believes they're not going to 
get a win and and getting points away from home, which is something that some teams find hard or used to. Uh, they roll on and they continue at the top, um, stretching their lead away from everyone else outside the top three. Um, people are already saying that Liverpool have got the league. Come on, Leicester. <laughs> <laughs> I literally don't want United to buy Madison in January because the best chance of him winning a Premier League at the moment is probably staying at Leicester. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I have to concur with you. I believe if, if, if Madison leaves Leicester um, now, I, it might scupper their chances. And speaking from a Manchester United point of view, you don't want that to happen at all. You, want, you don't want that to happen. You want them to be um, fully committed into the, the fight ahead. It will be interesting, no doubt, when Liverpool play Leicester. But again, Jamie Vardy doing what Jamie Vardy does. He scores a goal, obviously penalty, but he's leading the charts for strikers. Um, you know fantastic stuff for him. Is, is Johnny Evans is still in there? Bench? Yeah, he is. Yeah. I miss him. I believe everyone <laughs> Man, does. Man, apparently Man City are trying to go after him in, in January. Are you joking? Uh, uh, yeah, I, apparently. I, I, I don't condone violence, but someone needs to like punch his head in if he does go to say <laughs> Like, no. No, no, Leicester's fine. That's fair. He's know? been he's been away from Manchester United for quite some time. He's been away, so he's he's, 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 he's allowed he's he's allowed to do that. I think, you know, he's allowed. He's allowed. Just about. He's allowed. No, because they're good now. Years ago, when Andy Cole went there, it was it's all right. That was allowed because they were weren't good. Like they, he wasn't making them better. Like oh no. Yeah. <laughs> we, we need defenders. Why can't we buy him back? Well, I don't know. I think we need more than defenders. I think what we need right now is a, um, a steady course in terms of who's coming in in midfield. No, I believe that's very true. what I will no, say no. Is, is that they need to sort out this whole kind of or situation with Paul Pogba, injured, not injured. Um, technically, for me, he's left left the club. Um, you think so? Oh, 100%. You know, when you make statements like that in, in in at the end of a season that you need new challenge and he's, you know, I mean, I can't remember the last time he's played. Manchester United have been, you know, without it for quite some time. Um, and even Bacon. with the, even with a draw today, you know, seriously, uh, I don't I don't believe Manchester United have missed him. And some will say you're talking nonsense, Rodney, but I I, I generally don't. You know, the issue is Man United were struggling to beat teams like Crystal Palace. They struggled to beat Southampton with him in the team and Martial. So the fact that he's away and he's absent, his return would not guarantee three points. It would not guarantee an increase in goals scored or opportunities. And some will say, oh, look at statistics. Well, you know, you can only go by the games that you previously pay, played in this campaign. And in, in those games, the chances weren't taken, nor were they created. And, and Manchester United still dropped points. And, and I believe if I'm, if I'm wrong, Crystal Palace beat Manchester United at Old Trafford, which really shouldn't happen. So, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> he can go, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Ricky's in the chat. Hey, Ricky, how are you? I know that Ricky is a big, um, big fan of uh, Italian football. He follows them. I think he probably knows more about Lukaku than anyone else right now because he's saying great things about him. Um, Jessica's asked me thoughts on missing McTomney. It is a, I believe it's sad 
that Manchester United are actually saying they miss McTominay, who is quite young. That that is that is who we're pinning our hopes on. A person who was originally ridiculed when he first came onto the pitch during the pre-season under Jose Mourinho's reign. Uh, that he could be our most important player, or Manchester United's most important player. Very very hard to take. Um, very Just goes hard. to show, mate, how much we need a player like that of his quality at the moment. No, what? No, it, it does. It does go to show, but it just kind of. I mean, what it what it also demonstrates for me is that sometimes we are too quick to judge. We are too quick to judge young players, and McTominay uh, has has come into his own in a team that has needed, that has lacked leadership, and he has stepped up to be in some way, shape, or form a key figure in terms of performance, in terms of attitude in terms of application all of those things that Manchester United would have said that they you know took for granted and that's not necessarily the case in a game like today against Sheffield United definitely missed his presence um yeah. it may his 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 appearance on the pitch may have had a um, a different slant or provided a different slant in terms of the overall result and the overall performance but for the first 70 minutes you know you look at that pitch and you look at players who have international quality you have players who have been around I mean you look at uh, like Martial everyone says that Martial is you know on his day can score goals from any given position and he's great finisher but let's be honest he was ghost-like today he was ghost-like and it was it was sad to see Really sad to but see. It weren't just him though, Rob. No, it wasn't were, just it wasn't yeah. just him. I wouldn't blame him alone. I would say as a collective, the team collectively did not perform to their best for that first seventy minutes. And it took um a freak chance and a fantastic strike by Williams to change the attitude and the application from the team that was on the pitch. And it really did he took the goal really well. He, you know, he kept his eye on the ball dispatched it cleanly into the into the back of the net and I think it was at that point that they actually woke up yeah. they, they actually realised oh we can do something about this and not just you would almost you know for a better word say that they were shirking their responsibilities by looking around to think well who's going to step up and, and deliver a goal for us because it's, it's, it's good though that the two youngsters him and Greenwood absolutely. are the ones that yeah got us really back in well they did do they got us back into the game yeah I mean um, it's important for them yeah and it's also putting the senior players and I say senior players loosely because Rashford's you know been on the scene for a few years now so is Martial but Greenwood just coming on and doing what Greenwood does mm. and just sticking it in the net he was the first one to react from that Rashford cross yeah to get in there um, he was the only one when he came on that I saw trying to make those runs in behind. Yeah. And, I just, you know, it's just, it's it's really bad that Rashford and Martial can't really do that with their movement. They're, they're not giving enough, you know, up, up top. And you get an 18-year-old kid come on and show him what it's all about. They should really be embarrassed about it. It's because Greenwood's a striker and them two are wingers. It's mm. just, they just both want, they both see it as they want to be the the you know the head honcho at scoring goals, both Tony and Rashford. But 
in real in realistically, they're both just wingers. Then they're very good in cutting wingers, and they should just stay at that. Put put Greenwood up front right now. Yeah, it makes no difference. We need an out and out goal goal scorer, and he's it. He yeah. scores goals when he comes on. Give he might not score a goal in his first match or two because he's starting but he's going to get the grips of it and he will do after that you know I think Van Nistelrooy took a game at least to you know find his feet he might have scored a goal or so but you know to get to where you want to be takes a few you know attempts yeah I mean you're right and Chris in the chat says that he agrees with you Marcus movement was terrible from the front three especially Mm. in the first half totally agree Chris you know spot on um with 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 Greenwood, his age is the only thing that's going against him. And I know we talk about you, you wouldn't have wanted him to have played that game from the beginning because you're not sure what kind of treatment he would have received in terms of tackles. He's still developing, he's still growing. And at 17, um, a club the size of Manchester United should not be placing that amount of pressure on a young player to score goals. There is the old adage, oh, if you're good enough, you're young enough, or young enough and good enough. Over a campaign, League, Cup, Europe, it's a long season. And the jump up from academy football, youth football, to to full first-team football at that pace is, is huge. It's yeah. okay when you're, you know, it's as, as a striker, I don't know how it differs if you're playing, say, for Brandon Williams as a defender, you know, you, you're you're used to playing in that position all the time. You're used to what, what might come before you. You're used to playing. But as a striker, I think you're used to the players within your league, within your your age development. When you take that step up, it's totally different and it takes time to adjust. If you, well, if you look at the state of that for Brandon Williams, right, he's come out of the scene because there was no left-back that was probably good enough to, you know, start first team. So Brandon's got an opportunity. Mason was... Mason was absolutely balling it, scoring goals. Like I, I don't, I don't see like I, I watched Brandon as in the youth team, thinking that he was he had a lot, of, you know, promise as being a very good left back. Mm. But you looked at Mason Greenwood and you're looking at him like he is an out and out goal scorer. He's just goal hungry. He reminds me like of a young Alan Shearer. Mm. Like, you, you put a ball in front of him, all he wants to do is stick it in the back of the net. And if he can't do that, he's taking your head off in that process because he's going to put in the, he's going to hit it so hard. And I think to myself, yeah, if, if, he, if he is going to get treated badly, he's going to get pushed over and stuff like that. He's going to draw fouls, like Dan James, draw fouls. That maybe, maybe our way of doing it is using the knowledge of Rashford and Tony on, on the wings and have Mason lead our lineup because honestly I don't feel that neither of those two players are strikers to lead our line yeah I mean it's a good shout I mean I, the only argument I have against it is his age you know other than that I'm thinking yeah it makes total sense it absolutely makes total sense to have him as the main striker Rooney was Rooney was a freak of nature Rooney was a man in a boy's body Really was, yeah. He just yeah, honestly, tell by, the, tell by the ears, couldn't you? Yeah, he was a man in a boy's <laughs> body. He was a freak, you know. He's, he's just seriously, he's just, you know, the two are chalk and cheese in terms of in, in terms of physique and and about their application. It's it's different, you know. I'm 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 going to wrap things up, but there's a really good question that's coming from Rasmus, and I'm going to ask you both. This is it. Where will we finish in the league? 
I'm starting to doubt even if we can finish top six, to be honest. I've always said between 8th and 10th. Wow. 8th and 10th. Mm. And we're currently 9th now. Yeah, I, I don't think if we finish in the Europa League places, I don't see how that's going to do us any good for next season, to be honest. So yeah. I, I think 8th or 10th, you know, you got to take in consideration the, the squad. Numbers are thin. The age of the squad, it's quite young. So I would say mid-table, mate, yeah. Mid-table. And, John, what do you think? Looking at our fixture list. It's uh, <laughs> scary stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it is actually. Um, if we hit seventh, we might be lucky. We hit seventh, for all, as it stands right now. And this is it's. It, there are so many, so many more big games coming up. Manchester United are obviously the ninth. Tottenham just behind on tenth due to goals, uh, goal difference. I think Manchester United have a, a plus four. Tottenham have plus two. You've got Burnley in 7th, Sheffield United 6th, Wolves 5th, Chelsea obviously didn't win against Man City a 4th. You know, the top three as they stand, Liverpool, Leicester and Man City, that's almost locked. Those three are in, those three are in another league of their own right now. So it, it would be hard and I must give a shout out to Jessica who said at the beginning, I believe she said 10th. She'll correct me in the, in the comments. Chris in the comments has said that um, he believes Manchester United will finish 7th. Um... You know, if Manchester United finish where they are right now, 8th or ninth, I wouldn't be surprised, considering what we've seen so far. And a lot will depend A lot will depend on what happens in January, if anything actually happens in January. Does anyone actually believe that anything's going to happen in January? Nope. No. I don't even. No. No. I'd love to see that we get that Haaland, but I've, there's probably no hope. No, his dad played for Leeds. He'll probably go and play in Leeds or something like that. He might go to Manchester United. There's too much. The the family history there is strong. He's not happy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't happy. know. I'll tell you what I did do. I've, I've got a football manager. So I, I bought Haaland to Manchester United. <laughs> and I gave him the number 16 shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Right, let's see what's happening. Um... Chris says seventh, and uh, I'm not sure. He says, I, I think he says no. I'm not even sure. And which question that was, Chris? I'm not even sure. It escapes me. Um, obviously, Manchester United are playing in the week. They have a game. Is it the Europa League game? Who are they playing this week? It escapes oh. me. It's uh, you can see oh, where all where our fingers are on where finger our fingers are on the pulse here on and off the pitch. Uh, they're playing FC Astana. Um, away, uh, it looks like a very early kickoff indeed. I believe it looks like four o'clock or four thirty. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. I'm so not sure. on the um, on the app. Ten. Ten. That's right. Yeah. I'm looking at my calendar. It looks at some. It looks as if you're, the kids will just be home from school in time to watch a, a great European game of football. Help! What, help. Brilliant <laughs> stuff. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> after that be a great night. it's going to be a great night after that they have um, oh, Villa at home Villa at home Villa yeah. that's going to be Villa an interesting game Spurs, oh, three, days, three days later though three days later then yeah. three days later oh my days I yeah. 
yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. If Ollie gets through them, that guy's going to be titanium. You'll have to. You'll have to be the the, the new Superman to 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 kind of stop the pressure because we know that there's going to be pressure for um, Ole to fold and Poch to be, you know, put in place. Oh, we, we we know that's going to happen. The conversations have been happening Poch, already. Poch uh, just another Mourinho. Like, end of the day, all he did was complain about him being a head coach and not getting enough funds. Do you want him to come to Old Trafford and do the exact same thing in two seasons' time? What? And then, and then we'll go I, 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 for I, 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 I honestly, no. I honestly believe that if you were to what 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 was really evident from the Spurs game and with um, Jose being put in place as their their head coach, the Spurs players really really miss Pochettino. There is a, a connection that they've had with this manager for a number of years. They've been on a journey together, and I think the journey in itself ended the Champions League. The, the, the game they lost and, and and the impact of that loss, that defeat, rippled through the team and, and they've not been able to shake it off. What they haven't experienced, and I'm, and I'm just going to throw this out there, those Spurs players have never been managed by a manager. They've had a friend. They've That's had a fair friend. point, actually. They've yeah. had a friend. Someone that said nice things when they've made mistakes. They've never been put under pressure. Whenever Spurs lose, there's this kind of like quote, they're a bit Spursy. No one gets up, none of the Spurs fan base get upset when it's Spursy. It's almost like, mm, you know, we're a bit Spursy. And Levy wants to change that. And, I, and it's going to be a bit of a culture shock for those players. The flip side of the argument is that a lot of United fans, they want Pochettino because he, you know, is a really good coach and he, he understands the youth. But he comes with that. He's not managing anyone. He's going to be someone's friend. You know, he's going to put, you know, and we have that in Ole, but it's not enough. Okay. It's not enough. So we have Oli, who's Ollie's really friendly. Oli's won more than Poch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, won, he's won two back-to-back titles in, in mould. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the thing, you know, you, he's been at a club um, I think with Pochettino, his his name has gone out into the world of football as someone who's a very good coach, who's able to operate on a very restricted budget and bring through the youth. And that is may, what may be appealing. I understand. But if that is the direction that Manchester United want to go down, should they get rid of Ole, then as a fan base, me, you, John, everyone else who supports Manchester United, all of the ex-players, they can't then go around and say, who are we buying in January? And who we buy, you know, forget it. It's not going to happen. Because you want this guy to come in to nurture the youth. That's it. So if you're saying that's the premise of bringing him in, don't then in the next heartbeat or the next breath say, we need to buy someone. Yeah. You know, you can't have all of the things that you want. You either want to support Ole because he used to be part of the club, well, not even side of class of 92, but he was around those players. He's won trophies on the Alex Ferguson. He understands the DNA of the club. And in the same breath, say he's not good enough. And then you want to get someone who hasn't won anything because he's good with the youth, but then you're going to turn around and say, but we need to buy someone. Spurs didn't buy anyone last year. Anyone. And they got to a Champions League final. 
And that was pretty good, actually. That was a great achievement with that squad anyway, because they only really had Harry Kane as the main striker, didn't they? Um, you know, the, the midfield is... Well, oh, it weren't for, weren't, wasn't that much far off the amount of players that we got at the minute in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, they had troubles, injuries with the centre-backs. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's... Uh, that's got to be up there with Jose getting second. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just seriously. Yeah. You get you you take a team that didn't buy any players in the summer and you take them all the way to the Champions League final and people yeah. are thinking, how is that possible? You didn't buy anyone. You know? Yeah, and, and you and look at the fixtures that he had in the Champions League final as well. Oh, come on, seriously. Leading up to it. You know, that Ajax game, how they came back from that, I have no idea. Mm. No idea. Mm. So I can understand the appeal uh, from some Manchester United fans to bring Pochettino in but in the same breath you have to understand also if he does come in he will work to a restricted budget because everyone's looked at that and thought well he can do this with very little yeah, and the Glazers will love that of course they will oh come on they'll talk, they'll talk about a yes man then oh, <laughs> I've, I've got to say something has, any, has anyone seen the pictures of Ed Woodward shouting Sir Alex Ferguson. Well, this is this is. I'm gonna end, we're gonna end on this. I have seen the picture. Is he shouting? Is it is it is it a, is it a still caught through at that moment when Manchester United scored a third goal and he's pointing to Sir Alex saying, "I told you so." Is that possible? I've not seen it, Mike. To be honest, <laughs> no. <laughs> don't, don't, I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. I I I'm not sure if he's shouting. To be fair, actually. The people are clapping in the background. They're not going to clap at something bad, are they? So... No, no. I think it's when they score third, the third goal, and um, Woodward is probably saying, "I knew we would score." Um, but obviously, Manchester United get to the 89th minute and 50 seconds, and then can see the third. And turn off. They turn and, they it switch, off. and they switched off. So you know yeah. that that in itself. <laughs> Maybe, maybe pointing, saying, look, I told you Phil Jones was good. <laughs> good for... Let's not I finish that sentence. Do a job. <laughs> it was good for the five-year contract I gave him. Yeah, I told you. Value for money. Value for money. <laughs> right. Who needs Kuda Bals? Who needs Kuda Bali? You guys don't know <laughs> nothing. <laughs> right. We got Phil Jones. <laughs> Sorry. I'm gonna, no worries. I'm gonna say thank you, John. Thank you, Marcus, for joining me today. It's been great oh, fun. Yeah. It's been great. Thank you for having me. You no worries. Me. It's, it's always, it's always, it's always a chilled convo when we, when we talk. And I know there's a really impressing matter coming up for you guys with some. Was it? Is it Call of Duty? What is it? Sonic. Call of Duty. Call of Duty. <laughs> <laughs> He's been playing without me. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to see Marcus is upset about that. He's been playing about him. It's unforgivable, man. We're supposed to be mates, John. How can you play without me? We're teammates. Teammates. Look at that. See, there's even disharmony here. Not not from everyone. Well, I'll send you an invite this tomorrow morning then when I get on. Oh, <laughs> All right, oh, guys. You, uh, just one more thing, Rodney. Did yeah. you pick up on the arguments that were on the pitch? Between um, Harry Maguire and... Maguire, Fred... Dan James and Maguire. Yeah. And did you catch what Gary Neville said? 
No, I didn't actually. What happened? He turned around. The argument between Maguire and Dan James, Gary Neville turned around and said that if he was Dan James, he would turn around and say, Maguire, get your own shit in order first. Yes. I did catch that. Whoa. Um, Go on. Such strong strong language on Sky Sports. And they never apologised for it or anything. The levels they've stooped to. The levels. And I thought, yeah, and I thought to myself, do you know what? That's. That's a fair point now by Neville because yeah. as a defender, Stop. Um, he knows what he's talking about. And yeah. Harry Maguire, being that much money, got to be doing better than that. He, he, 100%. 100%. And he was captain today as well. Few mistakes that he's made where he's been out of position. The Arsenal goal. The guy was on the, he was playing I mean, Luke Shaw's position. <laughs> yeah. He was more or less playing. He said ship. Ship. <laughs> Nice one, Chris. He said it twice. He, <laughs> he said, he he said get his own shit. No, I, yeah, I, and, I, and a couple of hours, a couple of minutes later, he turned around and said, "Oh, that was absolute shit." That was. Yeah, I'm oh, not sure. Shit. You know what? Someone's probably pulled him, and he said, "I'm going to say it again." Mm. <laughs> oh, I was like, "Wow, go on, Nev." You know. Yeah. Oh God. That's on someone saying like someone's actually going to say something against Maguire publicly now. Yeah. Now, forget the price tag. Yeah. Forget. He's captain today, but yeah, you know, get your own shit in yeah. order. Well, first it was definitely you like you know, you know, it was definitely like I say, it was definitely a game of individual success, but collective disappointment for Manchester United. Uh, a point, what I say, gained and two points dropped, two nines. Uh, but their 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 course is steady and 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 in the middle of the league. I'm going to say thanks again to Marcus and John. Pre- really appreciate you guys joining me All on right, this little man. match chat review. Thank you. Please like, share and subscribe. Spread the word. I need to get my subscriber count up, peeps. Come on, man. Help, Come on, guys. Help a man out. What's wrong with you? Big time. And I'm not, I'm not even on toxic Twitter. I need to write something. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Bye.